Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts and the actions of our lives be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, for the past several weeks, we had been really focusing on the topic of stewardship, about that new view of life. And today we're turning the corner, but we're going to begin another series in which we are going to be talking a lot about the topic of prayer. I wonder if prayer is an important topic in your life. A a pastor friend was at a conference for pastors, and one of the presenters happened to be talking about prayer. And so uh, my friend wrote one of the things that this presenter said, and it was basically this. He said, ask your pastor how his prayer life is and he will immediately become sheepish and embarrassed. The point being that the pastors will feel that their prayer life is not what it should be. Even if their prayer life, maybe compared to your own, looks really good on paper, that they devote a lot of time to prayer, a lot of energy to prayer, that they pray privately, they pray together in groups, they lead prayers in your congregation, that nevertheless, they, they have this sense of their own inadequacy, that it just, it's not enough. And guys, if that's true of prayers, and believe me, it is, I know my own prayer life is a place where I, I feel like there's so much more potential, there's so much more time that I could devote to it, more energy, and yet so many other things come up and take me away from it. So if you right now are feeling that your own prayer life, maybe it's non-existent, maybe you think, well, it's there, but it sure could be a lot better. I could be doing a lot more. Or even if it's, it's really good and solid in your life, but you just, you don't want to get into a rut. You don't want to get into a routine. You don't want it to be something where you're just going through the motions. You want it to be a lively and active part of your life. Then you've come to the right place, to the right time. Because starting this week, as we begin this 40-day prayer challenge, it is a journey where together, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we are going to struggle together around the topic of prayer. We are going to struggle to try to make prayer a more deliberate and habitual part of our lives. But I want you to know that this does not need to be something where you are coming in and you think you have it mastered. Even if you come and you are starting at nothing, maybe you don't pray at all, except in church, of course, that that's okay, that it is never too late to learn, and we want to join with you in this 40-day journey. So we're going to be talking a lot about prayer, both in the small groups that you have, in your personal time of devotion, but also here on our worship time. And so today, I just want to give a big picture view of prayer. Why is this topic of prayer so important to us as Christians, and maybe a little bit on why it's so challenging at the same time? Well, in the first place, prayer has to be an important part of our lives because it has the command of God behind it. 
Maybe when you were a kid, as you were learning the Ten Commandments, you didn't realize that God commands prayer, but Martin Luther says it's right there in the Third Commandment. You shall not take the Lord's name in vain. And that commandment is an important commandment that's not simply about swearing. It's not simply about saying four-letter words or anything like that. It is a prayer, it is a commandment, rather, that God is reminding us of the importance of his name in our life. And that we could take that for granted, that his name could be in our life and it would be of no consequence to us if we weren't aware of how important his name was. He put his name on us in our baptism. He puts his name in our hearts, in his word. Jesus himself, the word made flesh, becomes a part of our lives as we receive him in the body, as his body and blood in holy communion. But This is all how God's name is put on us. That commandment also reminds us that we have God's name as a part of our life, then that should shape our lives. It should shape everything that we do, but also what we say. See, we can also have God's name on our lips. We can speak God's words not just to other people. We usually talk a lot about that, about how important it is to tell others about the love of God. But what we often don't realize is that we can also bring those words of God back to him. And we do that in prayer. And God commands us to come to him. This is something that can induce guilt in us as Lutherans, When we hear that prayer is a command of God, we just think, oh great, add that to the list of things that God commands that I just don't do, or I don't do very well. But there's actually hidden inside this command a great and wonderful promise. Because God commands this of his children, then we can be sure that our prayers are wanted that God is waiting for our prayers, and that our prayers are a good part of our life of faith. See, we might sometimes feel inadequate. We might sometimes feel unworthy. Maybe you've been in a situation like that when you need something prayed for, and you think, well, my prayers aren't good enough, so I'll ask the pastor to pray about that. I'll ask a, a brother or sister in Christ who I know is incredibly faithful, and God will hear their prayers because I'm not sure he has enough time for me. But listen, Because God commands prayers of all of his children, it doesn't matter how worthy you feel. God has made your prayers worthy by that command. It is a good and right thing that you do to bring your cries to God, and he hears them. And what is more, it is not just a command of God, we find out. It is a promise of God. God promises to hear those prayers. In the Psalms, there is this very famous cry, Call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will come and deliver you. God is waiting to answer our prayers, and he assures us that when danger comes, he will answer those prayers. Again, sometimes we feel that, that prayers being answered is a, um, it's connected to our faithfulness. 
And if we are very faithful, then God will answer more of our prayers. But we know our hearts. We know our lives. We think we cannot possibly go to God. It didn't, it didn't just seem like we went to him and we were asking things for him and, and then we didn't follow through on some of the promises that we made. How can we go and ask for more things from God? He just, he will stop listening to us. He will be angry with us. He will judge us. But God assures us that that's not the case. Jesus tells his disciples to ask, seek, and knock. And the force of these words is not just ask or knock or seek one time, but Jesus is urging his disciples to continue to come to their heavenly Father, to continually ask him, to continually seek his will, to continually knock on his door, because he will answer Jesus told a couple of other stories that affirmed this point, that God promises to hear us and he wants us to be persistent in prayer. There's that story of that widow who doesn't get any justice from the judge. Remember that? And so the the widow keeps bothering the judge and bothering the judge. And eventually this unrighteous judge says, well, I better let this widow have her way. I don't care about her, but if I don't do something, she's going to make me look bad in front of everybody. And Jesus assures us and his disciples that God is not that way, that God is not that unrighteous judge who will think that he is being bothered by us. Rather, Jesus shows us that that's what God is not like. In the same way, Jesus said, look, if you're a father and your kid asks for something good from you, are you going to give them scorpions? Are you going to give them something evil, something that will hurt them or harm them? By no means. And if we are sinful people and that's how we treat our children, we give them the best How will our heavenly Father treat us? Jesus tells stories like this so that we, as his disciples, would know that we can be persistent in prayer because we know God hears and answers those those prayers. God's promise is connected to that. Now, again, for some of us, that, that might be enough to do it, But we also know the ins and outs of this. You heard in our gospel reading that Jesus says, ask for anything in my name and the heavenly father will give it to you. We know that doesn't mean that we can pray for a Porsche and God will bring a Porsche there in our garage one day when we wake up. It'll just be there. We know that God isn't this magic genie that we just ask for whatever we want. God's promises connected to prayer are connected to his word and in his name. And so when his word dwells in us, when God's Holy Spirit works in us, the Holy Spirit works in us so that we begin to ask for things, not in our own name, not things that will help us, but things that will bring glory to God, things that will honor him. And it's when we ask in his name that the things that we ask for might suddenly look a little bit different. See, prayer is such an important thing to God that he left nothing to chance. We might say, with prayer, I would do it, but I, I don't know how. I, I, don't, I would do it wrong. 
I don't have the words to say. What should I say to our Heavenly Father who knows everything before I even ask? Our Lord graciously taught his disciples and so teaches us a form of prayer in the Lord's Prayer. And the Lord's Prayer is not meant to be something you simply memorize and recite. It is meant to open the door to teach you the kinds of things that we can ask in our Heavenly Father's name, kinds of things that he will answer and give to us. Because we might, of ourselves, have selfish hearts, hearts that are centered on our own wants and needs, but Jesus opens our hearts to our Heavenly Father's will. See, Jesus will leave nothing to chance. We have a form of prayer that he has given to us. And even if not there, in the Lord's Prayer, we have all of the scriptures given to us. See, what we sometimes don't realize is that prayer is one part of a divine human conversation. And prayer is not how the conversation begins. Prayer is a response to a conversation that has begun when our Father first spoke to us. Maybe you've had a child around your home recently. Maybe it's been a while, but if you have, you know that the way that that child learns to speak is by spending years listening by spending years listening to you speak words into them, listening to other people speak words around them, and by watching how you form those words, how you move your mouth, the way that you speak, the nonverbals that you give, only after they have brought all of those things into themselves do they begin to first utter those sounds And at first, those sounds aren't intelligible. At first, those sounds don't make sense. They don't make words or sentences or paragraphs. But once they start speaking, they slowly learn how to speak intelligibly, to put those words together and to make sense, to be able to express themselves. But even those words that they speak are first words that they have heard from you, their parents from their family. And so it is with God's word. So it is with prayer. We should not pray in such a way that we say, I've been praying to God, but I don't hear him answering. We pray as a response to God's word first given to us in scriptures. And when we want the answers to our prayers, We don't need to listen for this secret voice that's out there. Instead, we pray and our eyes go back to God's word, go back to scripture, and we hear his responses. We hear his will for us in our lives. We hear about the kind of God that we have. This is how God has built prayer to be a part of our life. That prayer and Bible study are not two things that we do that are unrelated, that they instead are a part of that divine human conversation that make up our lives of faith. When we pray from our needs, when the Lord shows us our needs, we pray in a very God-pleasing way. Again, sometimes we think that we often ask a lot of God. 
We don't often say thanks. We don't often praise him. We don't often magnify his name. But we, we make a lot of requests. We make a lot of supplications. And very often those prayers come fast and furious when we're at the end of our rope, when we don't have anything at all. And again, you hear me repeating myself? Sometimes this makes us feel bad. Sometimes this makes us feel like we're just turning to God as a last resort. But God has assured us that he wants to be that last resort. He wants us to realize that when everything else has let us down, he will never let us down. But God's word teaches us to understand our needs to understand our times of distress, so that sometimes when we have distress in our lives, we realize that those things are not really a big deal. We live a life of faith. We might develop a life-threatening disease, and yet that doesn't shatter our world. That doesn't undermine our confidence because we are built on the solid rock of Christ and we know that we shall live into life everlasting even when death comes. See, when you begin to be a person who is in the word and in prayer, I think God shapes your hearts so that you learn about the distresses of life and what distresses one person may not distress you. But when distress comes, you can know that you can always turn to the Lord. For he is your shield. He is your fortress, your mighty refuge. See, at the end of the day, prayer, I think, teaches us that, that everything we have, everything we are, depends on prayer. See, when you start to realize that your prayers matter, that God wants to hear your prayers, that he answers your prayer, that everything in your life depends on your prayer, it's easy to be faithful in prayer. And that might strike you as odd at first. You might think, wait a second, what do you mean everything depends on our prayer? Doesn't God give to us freely? Doesn't he bless us regardless of our own faithfulness? He absolutely does. But God wants us to join in his kingdom's work. He wants us to be a part of what he's doing. He doesn't just want to protect us and watch over us. He wants us to join in his work to protect others, to bless them, to be on their side. And so God reminds us, that our battles are not against flesh and blood. They are spiritual battles. And if they are spiritual battles, they are fought on a spiritual plane. And God's word given to us and that gift of prayer, that holy conversation that we have, that forms an important part of that spiritual warfare. Yes, it might look like our world is falling apart, but what we don't realize is that our greatest weapon, our greatest weapon has already been given to us. It's been given to us in God's word. It's been given to us in that gift of prayer that God commands it, that he promises to answer our prayers. He encourages us to be persistent in those prayers, that he's given us the form of prayer. He's helped to shape our words and that he assures us 
that even if we are only praying in our distress, that is a great time to pray because he will teach us of his faithfulness. He will teach us that he is our heavenly father and that he blesses us, his children, that he guides us, that he takes care of us, that he will never let us go. And when you start to think about prayer and bring in all of those different thoughts, I hope, I pray that just like Paul prayed in his letter to the Ephesians, that prayer, that devotions, that our time together in worship, that these would be times when you get to know Jesus better, when your relationship with God increases, when it strengthens, when it deepens. Because our Lord has made himself available to you for great blessings. We don't want to take that for granted. We don't want to miss out on that because we need it. But maybe today, more importantly, the world needs it. And so I do pray that you join us in this time of prayer. Join us in this journey and that throughout it, may your life in Christ be strengthened. May it be deepened. May you be blessed and may the world around you be blessed through you. In Jesus' name, amen.